Welcome to the Moms of Tweens and Teens podcast. If some days you doubt yourself and you don't know what you're doing, if you've ugly cried alone in your bedroom because you felt like you're failing, well, I just want you to know you're not alone and you have come to the right place. Raising tweens and teens in today's world is not easy. And I'm on a mission to equip you to love well and to raise emotionally healthy, happy tweens and teens that thrive. I believe that moms are heroes and we have the power to transform our family and to impact future generations. If you are looking for answers, encouragement, and to become more of the mom and the woman that you want to be, welcome. I'm Cheryl Gould, and I am so glad that you're here. Hi, friend. Welcome to the show today. And in today's episode, we're talking all about raising tween and teen boys with Bethany Jett, who is an absolute blast. You're going to love her sense of humor and her honesty about raising her own three adolescent sons and being in the thick of it. And she's on the show today. We're going to be talking about her book that just came out that she co-authored with Victoria Dernstock. And it's a leadership book called Navigating Minefields, A Young Man's Blueprint for Success on Life's Battlefield. And in this episode, we talk about the challenges when your son's pulling away, how to get them to open up and talk. Bethany has some really unique uh, ideas about how you can do that, how to support them through this time of transitions that they're going through. And also we talk about her book and how to support our sons based on their unique personalities, how to grow into healthy, strong leaders. You're going to find this interview so refreshing and reassuring if you are raising an adolescent son or if you want to understand adolescent boys better, or their mothers that love them. So let's jump in. Welcome, Bethany, to the Moms of Tweens and Teens podcast. And I am so excited to have you here and talk about raising boys and your new book. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited. I am too. And it's so, I was telling you before we jumped on here, it's like so difficult to like, find moms like you to get on here and talk about what it's like navigating the boy world. And you have just written your latest book, which is not released yet, but you can pre-order it. And it's a leadership book for boys called Navigating Minefields, A Young Man's Blueprint for Success on Life's Battlefield. And I want to start, I thought that's a great jumping off point for you to talk a little bit about yourself and what inspired you to write the book. Well, this book um, is written by me and my co-author, Victoria Duerstock. And she actually came up with the idea three or four years ago. And, you know, she's an author herself too. And she's got two girls and one boy. And she said, I'd love to do 
a book for boys. You've got three of them. And is it something you'd want to do together? And I was like, oh yeah, sure. So um, it was one of those things that kind of just sat in the background, but um, she's started her publishing house and she's like, this is the time let's just do it. So I jumped on with her and it was perfect timing because my kids are 15, 13, and now 10, almost 11. And I'm like, they need, they need this book. <laughs> I need to have this book for them um, and force them to read it while they still live in my house. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you got them. They're right at that, right. That ripe age of needing a book like this. Yes. I think we're going to, I think I'm going to make them read it out loud in the car on the way to school. I think that's my plan as soon as, you know, the co- more copies come in. Cause like we're so pre-release at this point, almost there. Yeah. Now, what was this process like for you writing this book? Did you have the boys read it and share what they thought about it? I didn't have them read it. I read a, I read one of them to the younger two while we were waiting for my oldest son to get out of soccer practice. And it was right before I had to turn in the completed manuscript to the publisher. So it goes through, you know, rounds of edits and things, but I just wanted to make sure I was hitting the right tone because I've always written books for women. And then my first book was a dating guide for young girls. And so it's, it's much more conversational that way. And that's how I'm used to writing. And this is more punchy (laughs) and short because of boys attention spans and I read one of them to them and they're like oh yeah that was that was good and you take it with a grain of salt because you know your kids will not lie to you like if it's bad they would have told me but I thought (laughs) okay I think I got it um so crossing fingers but um we just kind of split up the chapters and Vicky and I even there was one chapter we wrote the same exact thing like I actually we actually had to change an entire chapter because not realizing it we both came um, at one of the topics, the exact same way. It was like, it's crazy. Just guess it was an important one. (laughs) Yeah. Isn't that wonderful? It's like confirmation that, okay, we need to be, this is one that we agree it's important. Mm -hmm. And, And this is like a mom's, would you say it's like a mom's book to your sons of what lessons you want them to know? Yes. Um, her, the original idea was kind of like, like in the book of Proverbs in the Bible, it's like mom's lessons to sons, but yet those ideas are still true and timeless. And how do we make it hit for kids, for boys specifically today? So this book isn't um, a devotional one. I think we're going to do one of those next, but this one's just really more, like you said, the leadership and motivational style for them. And I know we wanted to make sure that if a boy picks it up, he doesn't feel like his mom is talking to him. So that was really important in writing it too, where it sounded more like just kind of a general voice coming at them instead of like another mother <laughs> telling them what to do. <laughs> so we pulled from a lot of really great, you know, experts and quotes and kept them short and, and got to the point and told some stories in there without making it sound like, oh, my mom, you know, you know how they are. My mom. Yeah. Yeah. Do this. <laughs> <laughs> so there's quotes in the book and things, mm-hmm. that, you know, for them to hold on to and to internalize. Yes. That was really important for them to kind of be able to come to the same conclusion that I want them to come to without them thinking I'm guiding them in that way. <laughs> yeah. Kind of lecturing idea. them or, yeah. Yeah. Especially as they inch towards the teen years, they're not as open to. 
from us. No, they're not, you know, and my, I have one brother and a sister. And I remember my mom always saying that the difference that she saw between my sister and I having conversations with her and my brother. And she said, you know, you girls would just talk. You wanted to talk, like just talk, talk, talk. And, um, but when he wanted to talk, it was, she would, you know, have to stop everything because he may not want to talk again for a few days. <laughs> so she needed yeah. to like have that conversation at that time. And then I didn't know I was going to have three boys of my own, but I never forgot that. It's true. The older they get, oh, you want to talk to me right now at 1030 at night about your girlfriend? The deadline can wait. Let's talk. <laughs> <laughs> Let me get my cup of coffee and I'll be right back. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and you cannot miss it. It's so no. true. Oh my gosh. How are you finding that transition from now you, you have your youngest is how old? Nine? He will be 11 this. Yeah. He's 10. He'll be 11 this month. Okay. And then the oldest is 14. Did you say or 15? 15. Okay. Oh goodness. Are you seeing, has there been a shift happening? Um, Yes. And you know, the little one, we still say, Oh, I was just listening to your podcast on puberty with Michelle Mitchell, you know, talking about puberty. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it was making me laugh because the youngest doesn't have to shower every day where that's now the rule with the other two, like daily shower. I don't care what you did. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, so it's that whole transition I'm seeing of him still kind of liking to kind of be the youngest. So I don't have to do all these things just yet. Cause he hasn't hit those, that stage yet. Yeah. Um, the the stinky smelly. It's it's almost there, (laughs) but not yet. Um, And then watching the relationship change with my boys and having read books, you know, earlier when they were younger, um, warning about the change where they would start to identify more with their dad and it was that was natural and you know how moms can like help with that but then my role no longer seems to be with them so much as a disciplinarian like it was when they were toddlers and I was the one who was yeah teaching Mm -hmm. and taking care um but really almost more like the guide like Gandalf (laughs) (laughs) you know like steering them and helping them you know thinking four steps ahead for them saying, okay, here's the things down the road you need to think about if that's the choice you make. And it's interesting to watch those relationships shift a little bit. You know, they still need me as their mom, but in a different way as they get older. Yeah. How has that been for you? Is that been, has there been any like slight grieving involved in that or? Yeah, I think it's going to hit really hard with the youngest. Cause I always said, you know, oh, you know, when I have kids, my, my, the baby will not be the baby like my brother is the baby. You know, I'm going to change all those dynamics. You know, I'll have, there's no, you can't control that. Like they're the baby for a reason because they're the last. <laughs> yeah. And the you last know? out of three boys. Out of three boys. And yeah, I think it, one thing I'm trying to do intentionally with them that worked really well with the oldest, but yet they all have three different personalities. So it's like, I can't like, get too excited that it worked well with my oldest one. Cause I don't know how it's going to work with the middle one, but um, my mom does something called the 10 year birthday trip. And so she takes each grandchild and they hit 10 on this weekend and they kind of get to do whatever they want within reason. And they just look forward to it so long. And I thought, okay, I've got boys. If I, if I had girls, I might do this at 16, but 13 seems to be a pretty good age where they're still, you know, I'm still mommy a lot of the yeah, time yeah. for them. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and they're just entering like the new world of being a teenager. And so I said, I'm going to do the same thing for their 13th birthday. And then my husband, I was like, I just told him what he had to do. <laughs> so you have to do the 16, you know, that'll be a good time for them to go off their dad. But it worked really well with my oldest. And really, he just wanted to be in the hotel room and play his video games without his brothers around. And we went out to eat. And I think I took him to a movie. You know, it was just real calm. But it kind of changed things in our relationship, too, because we got to talk a lot because he was the only one there. And I don't know, I, I was trying to be really intentional with that trip. But then after that, like, making sure that if we didn't have a good relationship now at this year, I was afraid I wasn't going to be able to get it back when they hit 14, 15. 16. And so I'm just, I'm really trying to be intentional with the 13 year old who just turned 13 now, because I'm seeing him start to, to shift. He's starting to pull away more than he yeah. was before. Yeah. And the, the hormones are happening and he's angry and doesn't know how to deal with it. And I don't know how to deal with it, but because he's different, he's different angry than his brother was. And I'm like, I don't, you know, not prepared. For that. Yeah, different angry. I mean, that's so true. It can really look different. It does. Yes. Yeah, a different, maybe one that's more having the outbursts and then another one that's more the silent angry. Yeah. And he, how has it been different for you? What's the different angries? My oldest tends to kind of, um, it kind of just kind of blows up. You can see him not really understanding why he's upset, but he just gets upset really quick and then it's over. Just kind of, it's then it's done. The middle one, it's more, I think he's going to be the writer in the family. He's He's more thinking more introverted so it's a lot of internal feelings and I think it builds up a little bit and then he doesn't know really how to handle the emotion and so it comes out as like bullying where it didn't really happen like that with my oldest oh, mm-hmm. and like so I you know just yesterday I told my mom like I feel like this is the time I'm glad that I can be home with them because they really need me right now <laughs> as, as they're dealing with these emotions. Like, I'm just glad, so thankful for that. Like trying to be intentional with them as they navigate this. Gosh, it's hard. Yeah. It is. It's, a, it's hard and it's a lot. And um, I love that idea for all the moms to hear that, that your mom takes them at 10 and then you them at 13. Mm-hmm. I love that because my son did travel baseball. And so I got to sometimes travel with him without my husband. And I almost got teared up when you were talking about the going to the hotel room. I mean, I miss that so much. It And now he's married. And so, you know, he's 28. And, um, but I think about those are some of the sweetest times. And it wasn't even that we did that much. It was just being mm-hmm. together. I think with boys, it's a lot of being. Yes, I would agree with that. Yeah, Even- less talking. Like, my, yes. I said to my husband, How are you getting him to talk? Mm-hmm. And he said, I don't talk. <laughs> like, oh, oh, is that how, you know, it was we'd be in the car and uh-huh. I would, I'd be driving him to baseball and I'd be like, I can take this opportunity to talk to him. And I'd start talking and how's this and how's that and, mm, 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 you know, and so I thought, okay, I'll try that. And I didn't talk for like the first 15 minutes, which was so hard. And then all of a sudden he started talking. I'm like, that works. (laughs) You know, it was amazing. (laughs) That is a good tip. (laughs) I, I read in a book somewhere that they recommended for moms with, with boys particular that two things worked. 
if it wasn't a serious conversation, like they're not in trouble, they're not being disrespectful, you know, it's not that type of talk, then to not make them make eye contact with you. Like if they're doing something then, or to go for a walk where they can be moving or playing with Legos or doing something that sometimes that you'll get them to talk easier that way. Whereas I don't like with girls, you know, it's eye contact. We're watching body language. We're listening to tone. Like there's so much happening in like a mm-hmm. girl, you know, just in general, a girl conversation versus a boy conversation. And I have found that to be one of the best pieces of advice ever. And then the, the second part of that was when it's a more serious conversation where you, you need them, um, they recommended touching them on the shoulder, some kind of touch to where then you're kind of, when they were younger, I would, you know, kind of squat down to their level and just touch their hand, touch their arm when I was saying it, because I needed them to be paying attention to me that way. And so those two things have really helped, um, even now as they're older, trying to, okay, let's, you're playing Legos. This is, might be a good time to talk about something that was going on, but not forcing the the eye contact where maybe I would have expected that as a sign of respect. I kind of let that go. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Well, they're playing with Legos today. I think it feels less intense. Like as women, I think we're just more intense. So then they have one, what they're kind of sort of removed, but not right you now. There's yes. something about, and then a son, like even when I see my son now, I'm so excited to see him. And I have to back up a little bit, like inside of myself to not just bombard him with like, oh my God, <laughs> you know, because that's just like, whoa, you know, and I, I think we can feel like that with our boys, you know, we just want to like grab on and not yeah. let go. And yeah, so hopefully a lot of the moms with boys are just relating and comforted by that. I hope so. It really helped me feel like, because I didn't know what to do with boys. You know, I didn't expect to have three boys. You know, I always figured I'll have them, you know, boys and girls and a daughter and it didn't happen that way. And, and, but, you know, I think for any boys of, or for moms of only boys, um, I grew into it and now I wouldn't change it. I know a lot of boy moms have said that as well. Like you grieve, I think at the beginning, maybe for not having a daughter, but now like, I'm the queen of this house. <laughs> and I kind of like it. <laughs> the queen of the house. I love that. <laughs> yeah. That rather than, oh, I'm the only one with all boys and I'm not outnumbered. I'm the queen of the house. Yeah. They, uh, they steal my husband's clothes and I get to watch that, you know, circumstance happen. No, no one touches my stuff. <laughs> Silver yeah, lining. They're not trying to get sneaker clothes. <laughs> Yeah, which I did with my mother. I would be like, oh, I love that sweater. I uh, did too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, let's uh, let's dive in a little bit to your into your book. Okay. Because it's about leadership. And some would agree that it's become an epidemic now with our boys and learning what it means to lead and to be leaders. And do you do you agree with that? I think there's a lot. Yeah, I do. Because I think there's a lot of mixed messaging on how boys are supposed to behave right now. And I think it's difficult for them to know, you know, there's, I think boys have natural instincts and sometimes depending on what in society or who in society they're listening to, they're being told to suppress it or, 
change it. And that can be confusing. I mean, growing up is hard enough. <laughs> and I think there's just so much coming at our boys right now that I think it makes it hard to know, you know, I think it's, it adds to the trickiness of raising them to be strong leaner, leaders and who, um, who respect women, who respect everybody. I mean, you know, you want all those things to be there, but you don't want them to be, you know, ultra, I don't know, jerks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, define, I think that's good to define. What do you think it looks like? Like when you're writing the book for, for boys, you know, for men to lead, like when you think about the word leader and you were writing the book, how would you define that? I think that, I mean, one of the things we don't necessarily define it in the book as like um, three villains of leadership, which is something that we kind of talk about is I can actually just share those three because yeah, that would be great. Yeah. Okay. Let us know what those are. Um, so the three, and this is just, you know, subjective because there's a lot of villains of leadership, but the three that I kind of think are, I think dominance is a villain because it's, I think, and that goes to, um, you know, oh, you have to be this like macho, super masculine, like overbearing personality. But I think that leadership also can sometimes come from a quiet strength and strength doesn't have to be dominant. It can come from a place, I like to say, you know, strength is not having to yell to be heard. And that's not being the dominant person in the room, but it's being the person that gets the most respect that doesn't have to yell. And so, and that can be a leader too. And so, and then we're looking at, you know, our boys' personalities how can each one of them be a leader? They'll show different leadership qualities early and just, okay, how do we, how do we feed into that without telling them they have to be, you know, oh, it's so tough to be the leader when sometimes it's not the, the tough guy that's the leader. So dominance would be the first one. And then the second um, villain of leadership, I think, is arrogance. Like when you just get this ego because you're in a leadership position, um, we try to teach our boys that leadership is really about service. And that if you're the boss, then you're really serving the people underneath of you. That's the, that is how you lead them and, and gain that respect. And that kind of leads into the third one, which duplicity was the best word for it. You know, just any kind of shrewdness or two-facedness or hypocrisy is a villain. Um, Cause a lot of times, you know, especially in business, there's so many great areas. And so you have to make a lot of choices, but it, trust is the opposite of that. It's you want people to trust you. And I think leaders have that trust. People listen to them because they have this sense of they're not going to steer me wrong. And so lying <laughs> when the boys were little and even now still, you know, not wanting to tell when they don't turn work in. I mean, even these little, you know, quote unquote, white lies, it's still okay being honest about the small things and the hard things makes me trust you when the big things are going to come because they're coming down the road, like bigger stuff is coming for you. We need to be able to trust each other on. I didn't turn my homework in. Okay. Well now I can deal with that, not deal with that and deal with you lying about it. It's always going to compound just because I don't want them to be that way when they're in the boardroom or at a job. Yeah. You know? Trying to get away with something because they don't want to bring it, expose it in the open. Yeah, because when you get the reputation for always kind of like cutting corners or, you know, I'm like, I don't want them to have that. And it's very easy to, I mean, with internet at their fingertips, whereas I didn't have that growing up, 
it was coming out when I was growing up, but you know, they have access to all kinds of information. So even for homework and schoolwork, it's all the answers are right there. You know, like they could go, it's like, you, we need to be able to trust that you can do this on your own. So even just these small things now that we're seeing with school and things like that, it's just making sure like, okay, your integrity matters. So then the opposite of the villains, you know, I guess would be the heroes, um, confidence, that service, servant's heart, the empathy, and then the integrity and trust are, are the things that I think really are counteractors. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's going to help them when they get into those positions. Yeah. Yeah. When, when you think about leadership being an epidemic, you know, and you're a leader, you know, I, I've, done a research on you and following you now on Instagram. <laughs> and I mean, you really lead, you're a writer, you're an entrepreneur, you help uh, women build their businesses, you do all these amazing things. Um, and so you're leading and wanting to lead your boys. How do you, how do you think it's different between boys being leaders, women being leaders? Do you see a difference there? Um, I do. I think the boys are going to have it a little bit easier just because they're boys growing up to be men. And I know like even in my business with my my business partner and my best friend, her name's Michelle too. Um, you know, sometimes if we're on client calls with older men, especially, it's almost like we have to prove ourselves three times. Like the credentials aren't enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's interesting to watch that dynamic in our own business. And I think, okay, this is a door that probably they're not going to have to deal with, but I want them to still have all the things behind them the way that I felt like I had to too. Like have your credentials, have the um, have your record speak for yourself, which goes back to the integrity, you know, have that kind of bulk of your character <laughs> be there so that no matter what happens like in business or if they become entrepreneurs or whatever they do, you know, they're not going to have to worry about that so much. And, and I think I really want them to have empathy. I think I'm going to, I think I keep coming back to that because I hear, um, Gary Vaynerchuk, who's a super amazing, um, you know, social media and marketing mogul, mm-hmm. really, he's a brand in and of himself, but he talks about empathy so much and how, you know, you're there to serve people and like, it's all about them. And I want the boys to have that too. Cause I watch Gary Vaynerchuk lead in that way too. People love him because he, takes the time to talk to someone about an Instagram question, you know, which is such a small thing, but you watch him do that because it's important to him to care about people. And that's really where I want them to go. And sometimes that's not talked about with leadership. It's, you know, it's about getting to the top and being a boss or it gets more into being a manager instead of really leading from example. I love that. Really having them care about people. Yeah. Yeah. Why do you think it's suffering now? Why do you why do you think this is becoming an issue? Do you think social media? Do you think it's just? Do you have any thoughts on that? Um, yeah, my um, my other business partner um, is a guy named Kyle. He's also my literary agent for our serious writer business. He's got kids about my kids' age too, and he was saying that he was watching. He's a pastor at his church, and so he was watching the, the youth kids be in a room without their phones. And he said, "You know, they don't know how to talk to each other." And I was like, "What do you mean?" And like they communicate all day, but he's like, "They don't. They are used to communicating through texts or at school. They're not really talking. Or if they're at lunch, they, there's just small pieces where they're together face to face. But when you take the phones, they're not sure what to do." And so he was explaining him watching this, and I thought. 
that's true because my kids are mostly communicating through FaceTime, you know, because if they're at home, they're talking to their friends online or they're in a video game where they're not face to face. My boys talk to their friends. They'll play video games together is a lot of how they communicate. And it's like, I think that there's a lot of anonymity behind the screen and that's how they're learning to talk to each other too. So I think partially, I think we're kind of losing the whole way of that interpersonal connection that I was taught, we were taught growing up. It's not there as much either. So it's tricky to navigate them in a, in a world where that communication is so instant and that two-way communication is so fast that they have to deal with. Yeah. Even the dating, you know, comes to my mind. I was just doing, um, uh, a teaching on that, talking about dating. And I know you talk a lot about dating relationships and boys, not, not um, having to ask girls out, actually call, like, you know, we were called and then you would hear their voice and you would talk and, Hey, what do you want to do? Would you like to go out with me? They now so much is done through text. Mm -hmm. It is. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a different world. It is. The first time I had my son uh, call, I think I had him call like, you know, my, my mom or somebody on the phone and it was the worst phone manners I'd ever heard. And I remember thinking to myself, who raised you? And I thought, I did. <laughs> how to talk on the phone because they they don't. They they're they talk to me or my husband on the phone sometimes, but they don't really talk on the phone anymore. It's all like they text or they do like a FaceTime kind of thing. So we've had to work on phone manners now. So now we make him order pizza and he hates it. So like, instead of just, he has to make the phone call because that's how I'm using it to, you know, talk clear, say goodbye, think, you know, all the things and how to answer the phone. And I thought that was just a skill that you grew, I grew up knowing, right? Like it was just, you learn it from a very young age. You had to. And I thought, man, how crazy is it just to watch them growing up with not knowing how to do that and me not even realizing. And I thought, what else is there that I took for granted that they know that they probably don't know. And so I'm trying to watch for those opportunities too, like the terrible phone call that he made. (laughs) (laughs) I gotta fix it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that because it's a skill that he did not have. And, and it could have been you could have looked at it like, I can't believe that you don't know, rather than how you did, like, oh, this is a skill that's underdeveloped. And so I'm going to look for opportunities for him to develop the skill. I probably was, I will say, I probably, I don't, I don't think I snapped at him because I don't think that's my natural instinct for them, but I think I was horrified. (laughs) (laughs) What are you doing? moment. And right now it's socks all over the floor. I cannot even tell you what happened. That is an epidemic in our home. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love your transparency. It's so, you know, it's just comforting. It's what we need as moms and your sense of humor in the midst of it. So I, I love, you know, um, you had a meme and I thought it was so funny that you said, if Um, if you can't figure something out, ask my teen son, apparently he knows everything. (laughs) 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and how do you, I think that that's a good conversation starter here because how do you have the important conversations with your boys about leadership and about empathy and all these things when they think they have all the answers? Have you okay. figured that out? I have not figured it out. I am rolling with the punches. But even today, my 13-year-old had a school project, a science project, that he made out of Legos. And it was amazing. And it fell apart in the tote as he was carrying it to the van. Like, all right, no big deal. We'll fix it. I can park. You can you can take care of it. So he was doing that. But the reason it fell was because he, you know, okay, so Legos, you know how those big green base plates? Like, yeah, yeah. For me, they're brass. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And he had built this very intricate base, but it wasn't really a base. It was more like a stand, like a cake stand. So like a really long piece on top and then a smaller thing to hold okay. it up. Yeah. Out of it but it had nothing to do with the project. And I said, you know, the reason it fell over was because it's, your base is awesome. <laughs> I'm trying to be positive. The base is awesome, but it's going to tip. I was like, so I don't think you should put it back on when you get to the library. And so he, then we're having a, in the car on the way to school, not really back talking, but almost there arguing with me over why he needs to have the base on it. And I was like, look, here's what I think is going to happen. You're going to put it on the table. Some kid is going to bump into the table and the same thing is going to happen and your project's going to shatter and you're not going to be able to fix it. There's no kids going to bump the table. That's not going to, I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how well I handled it, but we're pulling up and I was like, I don't know why you kids don't listen to me. I'm thinking four steps ahead for you and giving you the options. You still don't want to do it. So fine, put the base on and see what happens, which is probably not my proudest parenting moment. But I'm like, why don't you trust me? I'm looking out for you. And I I said, whether you do it or not, I was like, I would carry the project in one hand, carry the base in another hand, and then what you do, you do. But just like, come on. (laughs) That's interesting here. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. I am looking forward to hearing about what happens. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be really hard and you might have to bite down on something to not say, I told you so. (laughs) I'm like, oh, I'm really sorry that happened, you know, to you and your project. (laughs) Or he might not tell you because he doesn't want, you know, you to no, I should have told you so was, you know, that mom was right. I know. Well, I tell my oldest, I, it really was my oldest son that that meme came from because it was something he had said. And I thought, well, you know what? <laughs> you're, you're, well, well. But I said, listen, one day, one day you're going to call me or you're going to think to call me. You're going to say you were right about just anything that we you know we're talking about. I'm like, someday you'll come back and say this. And it's happened once so far. He's already realized I was right about something. I'm like, well, you know, there's more coming your way, but thanks for admitting it this time. <laughs> <laughs> well, you seem like you you have a really great, I mean, you do have a great sense of humor. Do you use humor a lot with your boys? You have to because everything is a bathroom joke. I mean, it's just, I mean, I've heard girls do it too. So I've had friends who say, you know, my girl's you know, joke about this kind of stuff too, but like everything is bathroom humor. And even if it's not talking about bathroom humor, it's still like that kind of thing I have learned. They just naturally think it's funny all the time. Oh my gosh, totally. And so I, I had to like, there's certain words 
in our house that the boys are not allowed to say in front of me because my husband is a middle school boy at heart. (laughs) (laughs) He's in the military. He's, he's super confident, like, you know, very, um, not dominant, but when he walks in the room, people kind of stop. He's that kind of personality where just like, he kind of like commanding the room. Yeah. That's the good word that he's very much like that. And, and yet they all think that things are funny that I don't. So like there's certain things they can't talk about in front of mommy. That's where I had to, had to make the line there, but they, you know, they respond well to humor. And then they also respond, well, oh, it's going to sound so bad, but if I can, sometimes I have to shock them to get the behavior to change. So otherwise they kind of don't respect me all the time. Otherwise, like at some point it becomes can I'm you give, an, give an yeah. example on yourself? <laughs> okay, so we call it the Pokemon debacle of 2007, 17. <laughs> and okay, my husband had got, been gone overseas for six months. He was back from Afghanistan. And so the family dynamic had changed because six months is a long time. So I had already gone through those, you know, military single mom stages. And now I was in complete control of the house six yeah. months just gives you enough time to, to get to that point you're you're now dying inside but handling both teams so um then the husband comes back and now we're switching dynamics again and that's just something in and of itself the boys I saw instantly the respect respect's a good word the respect that I had during that time dropped as they started then balancing my, their husband, my husband being home too. So I'm kind of watching this dynamic shift where, you know, I'm not the only parent making decisions anymore. And they're kind of playing off of that too. Well, one night I was just over it. They had just been completely disrespectful and disobedient and, um, and Pokemon was the thing. And so I grabbed every Pokemon that I could find, threw them in the trash in front of them. And we lived in a condo at the time and I knew I would regret it. Like I knew I would pull them out at some point as soon as I like was over the anger part. So I, I pulled that trash bag out, tied it up, went outside, put it in the car, and I drove it to the trash recycle, like the big trash dumpster, and threw it into the compactor. So I wouldn't have the chance to go and get it again. <laughs> you what? <laughs> I had amazingly behaved kids. For a really long time, but it, it was almost like I had to shock them to the point where I'm serious when I say something and the con- I will have to follow through on consequences. And that's really what it was. It wasn't, you know, I'm not trying to trick them into good behavior, but the consequence, they weren't seeing consequences matching what the behavior was. And so that was part of it. Then I had to go back and say, okay, we don't need to get to that point again. Like consequences have to matter every single time, but sometimes with them, the consequences didn't matter. They didn't care. And that's kind of where we had gotten to like, oh, I'm in timeout. I don't care anymore. Oh, I got my phone taken away. I don't care. Oh, I can't play video games. I don't care. It had just reached that elevation. (laughs) So sometimes now say, do we need to have another Pokemon debacle? Because I'll do it. And it could be about anything. (laughs) No, (laughs) you definitely made a statement in that, that they have never forgotten. They have never. And, you know, I think I don't know that I'm necessarily proud of it, but as I look back on it, they know and still remember that if they push me too far, I will 
there will be a severe consequence that they're absolutely going to hate. And so like, I don't want to get to that point again. And we haven't had to get to that point again. Cause I'll sometimes I just have to say, do I need to do this again? No, 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 no. Okay. <laughs> then it's like, okay. it's like a code word, Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> You know, early childhood education degree is going to send you email. Sorry about that. (laughs) But you know what? I think that there's really a lesson in what you're sharing, because in my experience, and I can say this as a parent myself and having my kids older now, but also working with a lot of moms is moms end up when they don't do something like that, they yell and scream. And, you know, it's like when you have a boundary and a consequence like that, you didn't need to yell. You didn't need to be, it's like your consequence spoke for itself. It's like, this is what's going to happen. You need to take me seriously. You took the Pokemon cards, you drove it, you threw them out. You didn't, I bet you felt very empowered in that, you know, in that moment. And it's like, you didn't have to come home screaming and yelling because your consequence spoke for itself. And I think moms are afraid sometimes to just have a consequence because maybe their, you know, their kid won't like them or whatever. So, but we actually end up creating a lot more resentment and anger and nagging and it, or it even, it leaks out all over the place rather than having the consequence. I, I totally agree with that. And I did feel like I had these moments where I felt good about it. And then I felt bad about it because it was a lot of money. Like they had bought them. I had bought them, you know, so I was trying not to think about that part of it too. Um, But it did reset them and it did reset all of us in Mm -hmm. in a way. And even my husband, like just the dynamic, it, it may have just been just all coming to a head because of coming home from such a That's long a huge, time. huge transition. So, um, so I don't know that, like I said, I've never had to go to that extreme again, but um, but I have learned that sometimes the shock value, uh, they okay, they didn't expect me to do this works sometimes to get a little bit of a reset with them because, I mean, they're bigger than me, <laughs> two of them. I'm like, I can't necessarily just, you know, turn them over and give them a swat on their diaper anymore. You know, it doesn't work. And so it's creative discipline that's actually going to mean something or or in this case it was the I can walk all over mom which is where they what they were doing and so that you know that changed (laughs) yeah 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 you definitely got the point the point across to them so (laughs) (laughs) so thank you so much for sharing that I know I went I bet that moms were like me when you said you did that there was a part of me going, yeah, like that, you know, feeling empowered, you know, empowered. And I know that I'm sure that how much money you spent or did I, we sometimes question ourselves, but I don't know. It felt like that was a good move on your part. I'm, I'm glad I did it. And I'm glad, I guess, because I wasn't too, um, I didn't see any negative results on the back end of it. Cause it was a while, a while ago, but, um, I think the fact that I can still use it as the, do I need to go to this level with you or can you change your behavior has been a really good talking point for us with them too. So it allows them the chance now to reset themselves before I have. And I try to do that with them, I guess, is you need to change your behavior or I have to do something about it. (laughs) Which do you want? (laughs) Yeah. It's a choice. Then they, they have that choice. Yeah, they do. Yeah. Yeah. 
So good. So um, I have a couple, just a couple more questions for you. Work ethic. How do you, how do you, I know there's a lot of moms listening that struggle to get their boys to do, to help. And I know that's one of the things that you talk about is developing that work ethic in boys. What would your, what would your advice be to moms that are listening that are saying, I'm really having a hard time getting my kid to help out around here or to work on to do their homework? We're having a hard time right now getting them to turn in homework. So Yeah. Um, so I'm right there with you. Like I will say, um, so I have a tip and, um, so let me start with the tip, I guess. Um, when Justin deployed for that longer deployment, the six month one, I was also in the middle of starting, um, joining my company with another company and then starting another one. So, and I was in school, so there was a lot wow. <laughs> happening. And I think we were homeschooling at that point. Cause we had just moved back from a military move back. Um, before putting them back into school. So there was just a lot. And so the, and I still say this phrase, even though it's starting to get a little bit older, um, the phrase became, do, do mommy's hands have to do this or can your hands do this? And that's kind of become the model for us. And so, um, you know, mommy's hands needs to go check email or I have a paper to do, or I have a client thing to do. Do my hands need to switch the laundry or can your hands do that? Do, do I need to switch? you know, unload the dishwasher or can your hands do that? And so it's kind of then looking for things that delegating really, you know, what can they do that's age appropriate, that's going to help. And so they each, what we do is they each get a month of one job and that's their main job. And they have other little jobs they have to do around the house. But so one of them is the kitchen, which is really the biggest one, um, dishwasher, you know, unloading and loading or dishes. And then the second one is the laundry, which also is that person also gets general duties as well, because laundry is not that difficult, <laughs> even though they complain about it. And then the third job is the, um, the trash, the trash and recycling, and then the floors. And sometimes the bathroom gets split between that person and the laundry person. So we were splitting it every week where they would just rotate through, um, but then they would wait till the end of the week, you know, and leave it bad because they didn't want to do like, so we just said, okay, you have a month. So they each have that job for a month. And if it's not done um, well, the night before they're turning it over, they get it for the second month. So they can't just leave things for their brother to take over. And that's kind of been working well, although the caveat to that is. And every mom who has kids understands this because if I did it, it would just be so much faster. Like, oh, I yes. Could, I could do this so much faster than them doing it. But I just know I don't want them to be the stinky kid in college. I don't want them to be the gross kid in the dorm room. <laughs> like they have to know how to do these things. And my husband's parents really taught him and his brothers and sister they all have such an amazing work ethic. They just worked so hard for the family business, like much more than my kids do. But I feel like my kids are a little bit spoiled in that sense, just because of how hard my husband had to work growing up just, just for their family. And um, so I don't think, so hopefully we're trying to instill that in them, but I also want them to know how to cook or how to, they need to know that they need to vacuum their floors and wash their sheets. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. and then it frees me up to be able to do things that I need to do as then now I'm trying to create this balance where we can also have family time too. So I don't always get it right. Probably most of the time don't, but I think that's, it's showing them how a house is supposed to run. And I want them to 
you know, end up marrying women who have dreams and goals and no matter what that is and always be there to help the way their, their dad helps. And so I feel like getting them to understand like, okay, you, we do this because we love each other. We're part of a family. It's not going to be weird then when they go out and they're on their own or they get married or have a family of their own. So. Yeah. Everybody contributes and helps out. Yeah. 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 Oh, I love that tip. That's, that's very helpful. Do mommy's hands have to do this? <laughs> yeah. Do mommy's hands have to do this or can your hands do this? Yeah, that's a good one. So if it's there one piece of encouragement for a mom that is listening, that is struggling, that you would want to share with her? Um, I think the big one is that you're not alone and it feels so lonely sometimes. Um, I know, I know that if I hear, if, you know, if you're talking to your friend and like their kid starts acting up, like I'm always kind of happy. It's not just my kids. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. It normalizes it. It's like, Oh, it's just not just me. I'm not the only one whose kids think that they don't know anything. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think the big thing is just like, like it does, feels like you're alone, but you're not alone. And um, there's lo- so many amazing communities online. Like even um, any mom listening to this podcast right now is going to be part of the community that you've built. And then on Facebook and Instagram and things like that. And then I think with the kids, I think remembering that each one of them is so different that, you know, what worked with one may not work with the other and just trying to sit down and maybe have super honest conversations with them about the hard things. Like, you know, you're not turning in homework, which means this, I don't know, going five, six steps out with them sometimes can be helpful because then at least if they're not listening, at least you know that you're telling them what they need to know. And so sometimes there's a little bit of encouragement at that, but the big thing is you're not by yourself in this. It feels like it, but yeah, yeah, not. yeah. When you're saying talk to them about the when they're not doing their homework and the steps, you were saying how how do you mean? Because that well, sounded good. Yeah, uh, I like to think. And so, um, so you know, some people are um, like checkers, and some people are like chess. So, like personality wise, so you know, checkers it's, it's instant, right? So they make quick decisions, and then they just move that way. And then you've got the chess player people. Um, which I find find myself in that category where you're always thinking six moves ahead. So my move now is because I'm thinking about move number six versus. Oh, so you're helping them because they don't, especially in the teen, tween teen years, they don't connect cause and effect. No, they're definitely playing. They're so in the moment. So that's kind of what you're helping them to do is to think, Mm -hmm. what does that look like? Like, what would you say to them when you do that? Um, well, just the whole thing right now, one of them's not turning in homework. Well, we had the same problem with my older son too, cause he wasn't turning in homework. Like, so he's actually bringing home, you know, A's on his tests, but then his grade is down because he's losing points because he's not turning work in on time. And so, you know, saying, okay, look, I know that you don't really care about this now. Cause you're only thinking about, you're not even thinking about the report card. You're thinking about progress reports, right? Cause he's only thinking about the next step. I'm like, here's the thing though, like this this doesn't matter so much right now, but if you don't stop this behavior, when you get to high school, it does matter. And then what do we want to do after high school? Like what, here's the choices here. Well, that, so it's kind of the teaching going back to the behavior of you're wasting your own time by doing the work and not turning it in and getting the grade. 
or getting bad grades because you're just not turning it in. It's ridiculous. Like <laughs> pointless. And that's kind of the thing right now. And so going, going for like, okay, this behavior is going to manifest in some other way later. So if you let yourself do this, this is what it's going to look like for you when you're older. And it's, and again, they don't understand that concept, but you know, like your mind is so much like an onion, it's like layers of it. And yeah. so, um, you know, we say ma'am in our house. When my little one came home from first grade, first day of school, he said, we say ma'am in class. We say ma'am now. And I'm like, you've been saying ma'am since you could walk. So, like, but someone else said it and it, that was the click moment for them. You know, and it's always like that with our kids. Like we've, I've said this to you for years, but so-and-so's parent said it, or the youth minister said it, or someone on TV said it. And all of a sudden, you know, that person gets yeah. on the credit. Yeah. Um, so I think if I start talking to them now about these things, it'll layer and hopefully someone else in their life on TV or somebody will say it and it'll click because I've layered it into, into their brains, <laughs> hoping. <Yeah. laughs> and they'll remember, you know, they'll think about it. Yeah. That layering, that is good to think of it like that. And he wants to play sports. I'm like, student athlete is a thing. Like, if you get bad grades, you're going to, they're not going to let you on the team. First of all, I was like, so you have to, we have to fix this now before basketball season starts because you'll get pulled from the team. And so that's a, that's a more immediate consequence that he can actually wrap his head around. And so like, so we have to fix this behavior now. So that's probably maybe like two steps <laughs> out. Yeah. I'm, you know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and a motivator that he wants to play sports. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and you really, you are a great example with what you're sharing of that it is such a process. Every day. And in the process, you know, you have to remind them, remind them, remind them. You got to layer, layer, layer. Yeah. I feel like that's the job right now, honestly. Yeah. yeah. How much of this can I get into their heads before they're gone? Yeah. Yep. Laying that foundation. So tell tell uh, moms where to get your book, where to order it for their sons, and tell them a little bit about who would you recommend this book to? Graduation, eighth grade graduate, when, you know, who would you recommend buy this book? I really was thinking about uh, my kids' ages when I was doing this. How does this appeal to a 13-year-old, but how would it also appeal to a 15, 17-year-old at the same time? Um, and kids read up. So I would say anytime they're entering those teen years is a good age range for them. And even so much to say like seniors um, and going into college age, I kind of, Vicki and I both really kind of targeted the voice to them. So, but you can get it for younger kids because again, kids read older. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, graduation is going to be a great time. This is something like I'm going to get, I mean, my boys will get the book, but it's going to be part of the Christmas. I like to get them books for Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, so really thinking that's a good time because um, you're buying gifts anyway. So it doesn't feel so much like, oh, here's a book my mom wants me to read. Oh, it's just part of my <laughs> Christmas or holiday season. Um is a good time to, or anytime that, you know, if you're looking for, if you're driving kids to school, sometimes having a book for them to read in their short little essays, that's a good conversation starter for the car. Like, did you agree with that? Did you, what did you think about that? And, and those kinds of things too. So just hoping it will help, hoping we hoping that, you know, as moms have layered, moms and dads have layered into their own kids. We're hoping that this can be maybe the, like, I'm hoping for my boys Monday, people to say something that I've been saying, I'm hoping it'll be, we can be the extra voice saying the same thing that you've been saying to your kids. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. And we, and we need that. And where can we find it? Um, Amazon is um, for pre-order there. The publishing website has it as well, though, and they can send it out. Um, in-game press is the publisher. And um, I think it, I think it's going to be anywhere that in bookstores um, okay. all over. But I know for sure Amazon, always Amazon and the publisher are great places. Yeah, yeah. Navigating minefield. So I will put the links all in the show notes so that... Um, that parents can find it and order it. And I think it would be a great one to add to our Christmas gift guides for boys. Yeah, I think that would be a great time to get a book to boys. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So gosh, thank you so much, Bethany, for being with us and and uh, talking about raising those boys and the realities of raising boys. And I love your energy, your humor, and the wisdom that you have to share with us. So thank you so much. Thank you so much. It was so fun. Well, that's it for today. And thank you, friend, for joining me. And I want to tell you about our gratitude challenge that we're doing this month. And I made a gratitude bundle for you that you can get on mottsuniversity.com. It's M-O-T-T-S university.com. And you go there and you scroll down and you'll see it. And it's this gratitude bundle. It's got conversation starter prompts to help to cultivate a spirit of gratitude in your home. And there's also affirmations for your tweens and teens so that you can very specifically affirm them really great stuff to help to create this climate in our home of gratitude and thanks. And there's no better time than to start the month of November. So I hope that you will check it out and you will join us. So thank you for being with me today and I will see you next time. Have a great week.